I wonder if there's anybody leaning in today, ready to hear part two of the message series, When the Devil Knocks. Yeah, are you leaning in? Are we ready? Somebody might say, why are we talking about the devil in church? I want this just to be clear, as I mentioned last week, this is not a devil-glorifying teaching. What this is, is equipping those of us who are followers, followers of Christ to know how to do battle against the one who hates God and, and he hates all of us. His mission is very, very clear. He's here to steal, kill, and to destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. The good news is, greater is he who is in us than the enemy who dwells within this world. And so I want to dive into today, get right into it in Ephesians Chapter 6, verse 12, in many ways, will set the context. This is what the Apostle Paul says about our real battle. He says, for we are not battling against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, the people who drive you crazy, they're not the real enemies. But our battle is against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. There's more to this world than just what we see. There's a spiritual world as well as our physical world. He says, this battle, we fight against mighty powers in the dark world and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. If you missed last week, we we talked about our, our spiritual enemy, and he has many different names in the Bible. He's called Satan. He's called Lucifer. He's called the deceiver. He's called the destroyer. And he's called the accuser. He's called the father of lies. He's called the prince of darkness. We're looking at, in this message series, three different images or metaphors of our spiritual enemy. Last week, we looked at the deceiver, and we talked about this. Who is the devil? He is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. He attacks your mind with lies. We went through that. Next week is probably the the most personal to me. We're going to talk about the destroyer, who is Satan. He is the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. He attacks your will with pride. But today I want to talk about the image of the accuser. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. Uh Uh-oh, things moving. Did you touch anything over there? (laughs) It's moving on its own. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. For example, I'll tell you a story and talk to you about honestly how I heard the accusatory voice of our enemy. About two weeks before Easter, it's just weeks before we started at the cross here, just days before our first services here, my wife and I, we experienced a very real attack. A spiritual warfare like I had never experienced before or or since. And if I can be honest, one that I didn't really believe in. And what what I mean by that is I didn't believe that that Satan could attack me or, or my family in a way that I couldn't simply sort of work through. 
that a little prayer and some good old strong will couldn't just get through. But believe me when I retell this experience in our lives. We experienced an evil that was very powerful. And now I realize quickly that when Paul was warning about the evil spirits in this dark world, that's not some watch out for that little red guy story. He's going to get you kind of thing. He's saying Satan really doesn't like losing souls. After he's had a good grip on them, boy, he hates losing them. And so over this weekend, he he came at us really hard. He left us in tears. We were exhausted. We were broken down physically, spiritually, emotionally. We, We were absolutely drained. We were very weak. So I want to share a little bit about it. But first, let me share a little bit of, of context behind it. In the 12 years that, that Katie, my wife and I, have been together, and all, all honestly, we have never really had much to argue over at all. Uh, we have been incredibly blessed, uh, but we never honestly, before this attack, never even really got into like some like small little argument even. You tell people that and they go, well, you must not be very real with each other. Then everybody fights, you know. <laughs> or you must not be telling each other everything, right? Or you can't really be spending that much time together then, can you? Because everyone fights from time to time, right? In fact, most people will say it's healthy to argue every once in a while. You just kind of get all that built up stuff out, you know. But honestly, in the 12 years together, neither of us had probably ever even raised our voices um, at each other or you know had that big blowout or, or whatever so this was like anything unlike anything that we had ever gone through b- before uh, we had just been extremely blessed um, that any disagreements that we had were just uh, with the grace of God he just kind of like walked us through them you know he just walked us through and we'd talk about it we'd say we're, we were sorry we'd move on And let me be clear, this doesn't mean that we had a perfect marriage or or something, right? This is just kind of like how we we deal with it. I do lots of things my wife doesn't like, believe me. But she's perfect, of course. (laughs) But this weekend, right before Easter, man, it was different. And I was really spiritually numb to it. I didn't even know what was going on. I was caught off guard. Uh, why was everything one way before and, and, and now they're this way? This is crazy. There was an evil in our midst and this wasn't just an argument with, where things finally boiled over. No, no, no. Without getting into too many details, Satan was focused on pitting husband against wife, wife against husband with the sole purpose of keeping us out of this church. There were tears, there were broken hearts. We were even questioning each other. And I can tell you, Satan was prowling. He was turning up the heat. I could feel his grin burning in my back. He was so close. I can tell you one thing, Satan did not want this church planted. And he did not want my family a part of it. When should you expect an attack like this to happen for you? Anytime you're sharing the gospel, 
and when you speak the truth in the name of Jesus. And he knew lives were going to be saved here. And he knew lives were going to be changed here. But there we were, we were right in the middle of this, curled up in a ball on the bathroom floor, weeping. Unseen was he by the naked eye. The spiritual, fiery hailstorm of chaos left us both with this feeling of hurt and feeling rejected. And honestly, just disconnected from God. Disconnected from each other, alienated. And that's where Satan wants you. Separated, hurt, feeling alone. You're so caught up with your mess here on earth, you're not seeking higher ground. Satan could smell this. Vulnerable, weakened, confused state. And he continued, he came at us, wave after wave after wave. And as soon as we worked through one thing, bam! He hit us again with another, and another, and again, and again. And I wish I could stand here and tell you, we just called on Jesus, and he just went away. But that's not what happened. First, we tried on our own to kind of deal with it, talk through it. After all, it was something we were going through. When we finally recognized what was going on, it was a day into it, we, we, we began praying with each other. And we could start to feel the tides finally turn. But then after smoke had cleared, and, and this is going to be our focus on today, Satan, the accuser, moved in. Tell me if you've heard this voice before, the accuser. He was telling me, see, you're not good enough to be a pastor of a church that you're going to start here. Look at you, you're a mess. Besides, there's no way that you're going to be prepared. You have too much going on. You don't even know the Bible inside and out. You can't even remember these couple of verses you've been working on by heart. You've been working on them all week. How could you be a teacher? What about your past? Who wants to relate to a sinner like you after the life you lived? How's your wife going to do it? She's only known the Lord for a few years. How's she going to feel? It's not fair to just throw her right into this. You're throwing your whole family into a fire. What kind of man does that? You've been ignoring him. You've been studying, trying to prepare for, for, for almost two years here. Now is the time to focus on them. And on and on and on it went. And for our, probably the next few three days, I experienced fiery darts of accusations. <clears throat> You're not a man of God. You shouldn't even be preaching. You're not worthy to be married to her. You're unrighteous. You are filthy. Day after day. Then it's like, I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good husband. And all of a sudden, the, the guilt starts pouring in. I used to be so much more to them. I used to be uh, available that's, that's true. I, I, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm not a good dad. I shouldn't be a pastor. And on and on and on. Fiery darts of accusations. But I hope you'll understand in those voices, they were not from the heavenly Father who loves me. And you. They were from the enemy who hates me. And I ask all of you, how many of you have ever experienced anything sort of like that? 
When you hear the voices, you're unworthy, you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're, you're untrustworthy, on and on and on and on and on. I want you to know it comes from the enemy. And he is known as the accuser. My prayer for you is this. We read this in Isaiah 54, verse 17. This is my prayer for you. That no weapon turned against you will succeed. That you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. By the power of the risen Christ, may you silence every voice risen to accuse you. Let's talk about the devil, the accuser. This is what John called the devil in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. <clears throat> he said that I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. Now watch this. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night, night and day, on and on, he accuses. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been hurled down. He's been defeated by the risen Christ. He has been hurled down. But he doesn't stop accusing day and night. What's so interesting is what the accuser will do is before he ever sins, before you ever sin, he lies to you. He'll say, go ahead, argue your point. After all, you're right. Stop there. <coughs> Let's try this here. Well, sorry, it's not going to stay there. <laughs> Can you try going back one, see if it'll stay? Okay, that's all right. So, uh, so you can jot this down for the notes. What's so interesting, the accuser will do is, before you ever sin, he lies to you. He'll say, go ahead, argue your point. After all, you're right. Go ahead, yell a little bit. Let it out. You, you, you hardly ever, you, you guys never fight. Might as well yell it, get it all in now. Get it all out. Let her know how you really feel. And then afterwards, the tone changes. He becomes the accuser. Look at you. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. You're undeserving. You're nothing. Before you sin, the devil says, go ahead, do it. It's no big deal. Everyone else does it. You're not going to get caught. Besides, who really cares? It's your life anyways. And after you sin, you're pathetic. You're no good. God doesn't love you. God will never, ever be able to use you again. You've gone too far this time. Before you sin, he lies. After you sin, what does he do? He accuses. In fact, if you're taking notes, I, I think this is so powerful. When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. He lies. Did God really say last week? That's what we talked about. Did God really say? 
When the devil talks to you about you, though, he accuses. You're no good. You're pathetic. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. We're talking today about how to overcome the voices of the accuser. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a very powerful, very personal, very prophetic text from the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 3. Let me give you a little context to this. Zechariah has a vision and he sees this sort of heavenly courtroom. So what I want you to do is imagine this, this courtroom and we're going to see three different characters in the story. First of all, there's God. God is the judge in the story. Then there's Joshua and Joshua is the high priest. He's the one on trial. He is the defendant, if you will. Then there's Satan. Satan is the prosecutor. Satan is the one who is trying to convince the judge, God, of Joshua's guilt. He's the accuser, playing playing his natural role. What's interesting is Satan actually appears to have a case of of Joshua's guilt. Because he's going to say Joshua's robes are very dirty. And as a high priest, robes should be clean. Filth is always a sign of of sin in, in this picture. And so Satan appears to have a case. Perhaps Joshua, the high priest, is really guilty. He's on trial. God is the judge, and and Joshua is now being attacked by the accuser. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Here's how the story goes. Then he showed me, Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, uh, we should pause just for a second here. I want to talk about the, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is most likely Christ in this picture. Uh, you may say, how is Christ in the Old Testament here? Let me teach you a word that I learned in seminary. The word I learned is Christophany. Uh, Christophany. Uh, Christophany or Christophany is an appearance of Christ in the Bible in a non-physical form. Uh, there's many examples of this in the, in the book of Daniel. Uh, there were the three Hebrew children uh, who wouldn't bow, bow down to worship the fa- false god, if you remember. They were thrown in the fiery furnace, and, and suddenly there's the fourth uh, in, in the furnace. Uh, as they were not being consumed, who was that fourth? That was Christ appearing in the Bible in, in this non-physical form. That's a Christophany. Christophany. Uh, this is the angel of the Lord. Let's look again. Uh, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side. And what was the devil doing? What he always does. He was there to accuse him. He's accusing Joshua. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? In other words, he may be guilty, maybe he's guilty, but he's being saved from the punishment. Now, here's the truth. Joshua was dressed in in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel of the Lord. He, He was dirty when he should have been clean. Imagine this, he's he's standing before God, and he's apparently guilty. He's guilty. And have any of you ever been somewhere where 
you were sort of underdressed. Uh, I hate that feeling, you know. Have you ever been at an event or, or some kind of a company party? Um, I even remember thinking this as a kid at church. I realized how, how nice everyone's suits were. How fancy everyone was dressed up. Or like at your kid's like winter Christmas concert. I'd show up directly after work when my children were little and, and I had a shop shirt and I'm all dirty, my hair's up all over the place. And, and I'm trying to get there. So I, I don't have time to take a shower or change. I'd show up and everyone's in, in, in their Sunday best. And I, <laughs> I would show up and go, oh boy, do, how do I look uh, with everyone? <laughs> um, you feel a little embarrassed or less than. Imagine though, standing before God and you're not just underdressed, but you've got sin all over you. You've got the sin all over you. You've got the stain of sin. God is holy, and suddenly you feel incredibly guilty. Then imagine the prosecutor, the accuser, the devil, sitting there pointing out everything that you've done wrong. For me, it could have been any of these that were true. Hey, didn't you used to shoplift? All the time? Didn't you used to swear constantly? Uh, Weren't you promiscuous? Uh, Didn't you lust? Didn't you drink and drug? Uh, Didn't you let people down again and again and again and again? And I can just feel myself shrinking as the devil accuses. I don't know what he would say for you. Did you lie? Did did you cheat? Uh, Did you commit adultery? Do you battle lust? I mean... There you are living one life all, all week long and then you show up, come into church and, and you act like you really love Jesus. Didn't you file bankruptcy? Uh, you couldn't even pay your own bills. Uh, didn't you let someone down? Didn't you hurt? On and on and on and on he goes. The devil accuses, hurling guilt and shame and condemnation. This is what the devil does. He is the accuser. <coughs> Excuse me who accuses God's people day in and day out. Now, before we look at the rest of the story, I want to show you some really good news. Because we've looked at who the devil is, but I also want to look at who Jesus is. Who is the devil? If you're taking notes, the devil is the accuser. Who is Jesus? The good news is Jesus is your advocate. In fact, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, tells us this amazing news. 1 John says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, who is our advocate, He is Jesus Christ, the only one who is truly righteous. We have the one who accuses again and again, but we have the Son of God, who is our advocate. He is our friend. He pitches our case. He defends us whenever the enemy attacks. This is great news, yes? The devil is trying to prove Joshua's guilt. Jesus is the defense. Let's continue back to the story we're in in verse 4. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 4. 
The angel says to those who were standing before him, Take off Joshua's filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Yes, you're dirty. Yes, you're guilty. Yes, you may be unworthy, but I'm taking away that which shows the residue of sin over you. I'm putting fine garments on you. I'm putting on something that you cannot earn or you did not even deserve. And I'm doing it not because you were good, but this shows us just how good I am. Take off those filthy clothes. Put on the robes of righteousness on him. See, I have forgiven you. And this perfectly parallels the the parable that Jesus tells of the, the prodigal son. This is my story. Maybe some of yours too. It's recorded in Luke's Gospel, the the 15th chapter. He said there was a father who who had the two sons. And the younger son said, I want what's mine. I want my inheritance. I want to cash in. I want to go out and live the way I want to live. Give me what's owed to me, pops. I'm ready to go do things my way. I'm old enough now. I'm not going to live according to your rules. So the son went off. He lived wild. He partied hard. He spent everything. And then at the end of it, one day, he wakes up and he realizes, man, I messed up. What did I do? How many of you have ever gotten wrapped up in something before? I thought this is what I wanted. But... This is so far from where I want to be. And he was hurting because of this sin. And the scripture says he he came to his senses and, and he realized even the servants have it better at my father's place than I do. Maybe I'll go back there and and, and he'll take me in as as one of his servants. I've got nothing. But when he started coming back to town, he had no idea that his father wasn't mad. See, his father was on the edge of town every day, watching and waiting for his son to come home. Hoping today would be the day that my son comes home to me. And when the father saw his son, and the father ran towards his son, and even though the son was filthy and dirty, the father took off his very own robe that was completely clean and put it over the filth of the dirty son. So when the father looked at the son, he didn't see the residue of sin all over him, but instead he saw the outward righteousness of the father. He says this in in verse 24, For this son of mine was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You were always my son. And this is the perfect picture of what happened in Zechariah 3. The high priest was guilty. And the angel of the Lord, Christ in the Old Testament, says, take off those dirty robes, put on the fine garments. 
See, I've taken away your sins. It's all by the grace of God. I've taken your sin away. Then in verse 5, this is what he said. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So he put a clean turban on his head. And they clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. Here's your assignment. What I want you to notice is is what the angel didn't say. The angel doesn't say, Now Joshua, after your poor behavior, we're going to have to put you on one year probation. And if you live up to our standards, and perhaps at the end of the year, you can enter back into the service of the Lord at an entry-level position. And if you're really, really good over a three-year period, we might move you up the ranks, but you've got to be really, really good. If you have any doubt, any sin, uh, you've got to be taken out of the game because we can't have someone of your character and nature serving our God. We don't see any of that. I want to show you exactly what we see in verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you'll walk in obedience and keep my requirements, Joshua, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you a place among these standing here. The angel offered, take off your filthy garments, put on the fine garments, and he said essentially, return to the temple and keep on serving the Lord. Return to the temple and keep on serving the Lord. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you've been living under accusations of the enemy. You can't and you never will and after what you did and, and you've been away and you're no good and you've had doubts and, and you've battled this and, and you've battled that and God says, no, 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 no. I have forgiven your sin. Get back to the temple and keep on serving the Lord. Get back in the game. Keep on loving others. Keep on pointing them to Jesus. Keep on loving in my name. Keep on lifting up my name. Get back to the temple and keep on serving the Lord. How do we know whenever we've done something wrong and we start to hear that inner sense of of something? We need, as Jesus followers, to to learn to, to clearly distinguish between the devil's accusations and the Spirit's conviction. Because they're very, very different. The devil accuses, but the the spirit convicts. In fact, what does an accusation do whenever the devil accuses? It it drives us away from God. This, This is what happened to us. It was driving me away from God. I'm unworthy. I, I, I can't even go into God's presence. I'm not good enough. But conviction leads us to God. I need His grace. I, I, I need his, his mercy. Accusations make us feel guilty and ashamed and, and, and dirty and, and distant but conviction shows us our need. It pulls us into the goodness of God's grace for us. 
Whenever Satan accuses, he, he wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel that shame. He, he wants you to feel unlovable and, and unworthy. But whenever the Spirit convicts you, it draws you to the presence of God to experience His grace, His goodness. It's the conviction that leads you to confess your sins. Because God is faithful and just, He will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's the conviction that draws us back into the goodness of God. Where His presence is, now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whenever the Spirit convicts, we step into God. We step into His grace because He is good through and through. I love one, what one preacher said, and I hope this stays up there. He said something like this, if you're taking notes. He said, the devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. He may know what you did, but he doesn't hold your sin against you. In fact, I, I love the way Paul describes this whole process. How do we do battle against the evil one? When we recognize that we are in spiritual battle, we don't fight as humans fight. We fight with spiritual weapons. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What do we do? We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Whenever the enemy starts lying to us, accusing, telling us that we are not, we take that thought captive and we fight with spiritual weapons. What do we have? We garnish the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, which quenches out the fiery darts from the evil one, the belt of truth, and the shoes prepared with the gospel of peace. And we have the offensive weapon we hit on this last week, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, sharper than any double-edged sword. We take accusations of the enemy, we capture them, we make those thoughts obedient to Christ. Whenever we hear, you're a failure, you're no good. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. The old is gone, the, the new has come. But God is punishing you. God, God's punishing you. No, my father is a good God. He gives good gifts to his children that he loves. This is an attack from the evil one. And what the evil one meant for harm, may God will use for good. I may be going through a hard time right now, but hey, I consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever I face trials of many kind, because I know the testing of my faith 
develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in me so that I may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And the devil says, what? After what you did, God could never use you. God doesn't love you. You've gone too far this time. No! I take the thought and make it obedient to Christ. I will rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. I will rejoice. Because the Lord is near, I'm not anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, I make my request known unto my God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. (coughs) And the devil says, God doesn't love you. God doesn't know you. He's not with you. No, 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 no. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither demons nor principalities, nor any other power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in my Christ Jesus the Lord. My God is with me. My God is for me. Greater is he than is me than it is in, that is in this world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I will silence every voice raised up to accuse me. I am not what the devil says I am. I am not what the devil says that I did. I am who Christ says that I am. He says, I am his child. I belong to him. I am a child of the king. The very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells within me. Whenever the devil accuses and tells you that you're not and and that you can't do it, you capture that. You make that obedient to Christ. You fight back with the the word of God, the, the sword of the spirit. You are not who your enemy says that you are. He's trying to talk you out of living for God, glorifying God, making a difference, being connected to people. How many times does does Satan try keeping us out of of coming to church? This is the last thing he wants, a gathering in celebration of Jesus Christ. He is trying to talk you out of living for God, glorifying God, making a difference, being connected to people. He has a mission. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. Everything that matters to God. Everything that matters to God. And he is attacking you with accusations. The good news is you have an advocate. You have a defense. And he's seated right next to God the Father. And he says, no, 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 no. That's not true. Let me tell you what is true. There is no condemnation. She is new in Christ. He he is forgiven. He is made new. Don't ever let the the devil talk you out of doing what God has created for you to do. We talked about this morning with our youth groups that that we've all been created to do something, that we all have a forum. And even even the young disciples here in in the room, they all have a forum, whether it's in their classroom, whether it's with their friends, whether it's at basketball camp, whether it's whatever it is they they do, they all have a forum. My prayer for you is, is very simple because I, I know, because I've, I've heard it, because I've experienced, you're not good enough, you, you shouldn't be a preacher, you're not even worthy of this marriage, you're not a good example. No, 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 no. The righteousness of Christ is my righteousness. I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out. I'm made completely new. I will lay down my life to serve my wife, my, my family, 
and as Christ loved his church. Through Christ, my wife and I are, are now doing everything that we can to, to re- represent Christ's spiritual life in, to our children, to be a witness of the, the saving grace to, of Christ Jesus. A Christ-centered family will create our, our next generation of world changers. It's great to see all these young people here. I might not have gotten it right then, but I'm getting it right now. Because the spirit of truth dwells within me and all of you. When, when you hear the two voices pulling at you, know this. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So when your enemy accuses, this is my prayer for you as we also offer the, the invitation this morning. That no weapon turned against you will succeed. That by the power of truth, you would take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. And the good news is, is you've got Christ defending you, standing with you. I love that picture of him in the courtroom. And greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. If you don't have Christ uh, yet in, in your life, I invite you to, to come forward. He, he, he wants to be fighting for you. He wants, to be, he wants you on Team Jesus. You know, he can't help if, if we've got the doors closed. And we can all call on him today. He laid down his life for, for you and for you and for you and for you and for, for everybody. He defeated the accuser and he invites you to accept him as your personal savior. We pray to Jesus, I've sinned, I've done you wrong, but today I need you. To take that old sinful self of me away. And Jesus, he is just like the father waiting for his son to come home. He, he, he's just waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to call on his name. He's just up on the edge waiting for his children to come home. He's been waiting and watching, hoping it will be today that will be the day that you decide, yeah, I'm coming home today. You spent the inheritance. You blew all the money and all that. And it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. Your robe is dirty. You have nothing to offer. And Jesus says, that's okay, my child. Let me take off that dirty robe and make it clean. I'll make you new. The invitation is free. Please come forward and God bless you all. Uh, just like our birth boy, birthday boy, uh, Tim, um, a lot of times he talks about getting up here and, and saying what he has to say about giving. Is that my, is that my cue? <laughs> Shut up, Don. <laughs> a little less talking, more music. Okay. But um, I didn't know Tim before I started coming to this church.
But I've heard his testimony over and over again, and I never tire of it. I love it. I love any time anybody talks about their coming to Christ. Uh, is today your day? If you haven't uh, given your life to Christ, uh, today is the, the day of salvation. Um, here's, a, here's a birthday gift for the birthday boy, casting crowns. All I've ever wanted. <laughs>